Revelation chapter 3. The book of Revelation chapter 3. I read from verse 7. Revelation chapter 3, I read from verse 7. Dear dead, shout hallelujah. Revelation chapter 3 from verse 7. I read. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, This thing said he that is holy, he that is true, he that has the key, excuse me, the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shut it, and no man open it. I know thy works. Behold, I have said before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not. But do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Verse 11. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast that which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Praise the Lord. The topic of my very brief discussion with us this morning is, don't lose your crown. Tell somebody, don't lose your crown. When you look at the message that the Lord sent to the seven churches in the book of Revelation, to one church, he said, be faithful unto death and I will give thee a crown of life. That was the message God gave to the Smyrna church in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. And when you go through all the analysis and all that, the only church that the Lord confirmed already had a crown. But that could lose the crown if they were not careful was the Philadelphia church. So there were letters to seven churches. One church was told, Persevere to the end. Do not fear the things you are going to suffer because there is a crown of life waiting for you. But the other church was told, you already have a crown. But there are some, you need to take note of some things that you may not lose your crown. The Philadelphia church was told in verse 11, Hold fast thou which thou hast, that no man take your crown from you. The question I want to ask us this morning is, what are the things that Philadelphia had? What are the things that qualified that church for the crown, which others maybe did not have or did not have in equal measure? The first thing I took note of in that passage is the word Philadelphia itself. Can somebody tell us what it means? Brotherly love. Brotherly love. Or the love of a brother. 
not the corrupted one, but the pure love. And that tells me that the first thing you need to keep your crown, if you already have one, or to ensure that you get one and don't lose it, is what? It's love. It's love. The Bible says God is love. Tell somebody God is love. God is love. Everything about God is love. And somebody said, if God is love, then God is a lover. True or false? If God is love, if God is a lover, then God loves somebody here. Who is that person? A man of God made an observation. He said, if a man loves a woman, do you need to persuade him to go after the woman? Somebody who is not, uh, uh, I mean, what's the word? If a man loves a woman, do you need to persuade him to go after that woman? No. Everything he does, if that woman is around, I'm talking of a woman now. I'm not talking of a boy or a girl. So when a man loves a woman, I'm talking of a man and a woman. <laughs> is somebody in the spirit with me? Aha. So everything he needs, everything the woman needs, the man is available for it. Whatever the woman needs, the, 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 the other way around. The man and the woman. Because they are what? They are in love. And because God loves you and I, he has gone after us. But the question is, do we love him back? He is running after us like a lover. The Bible says, we are the bride of Christ. Is that not so? We are the bride of Christ. He loves us more than even the love of a man for a woman. God is love. And one thing that God will see in you, that God will see in me, that will make him to give us that crown, that will ensure that we don't lose the crown, is what? It's love. It's love. We all know John 3, 16, it says, God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. Brethren, that is love. Love gives. Love does what? Love gives. Love does not always take. Love finds a way to give. And there's no other way to demonstrate love than by doing what? By giving. By giving. That's why the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, when you go through that passage in so many different ways, the Bible enjoins us that we should love one another. Not as, I mean, I'm looking at verse 11 now. Love one another. Not the way Cain loved Abel. Not, you know the way Cain loved Abel? What happened to the love between Cain and Abel? What happened? The love that Cain had for Abel was so good that Cain killed Abel. It's the type of love many of us have for chicken. Is that not so? It's the type of love you have for a cow. It's the type of love you have for a goat. It's a love from which you derive benefit and the other part of it derives no benefit. That's not the type of love that God is enjoining us to do. Because he says, his work was evil. But I know that somebody here, your work is not evil. In verse 14, he says, we know that we have passed from death. That's 1 John 3, 14. 
We are passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. If you don't love the brethren, you are still living in death. If you don't love the brethren, you are still living in the flesh. If you don't love the brethren, you have not got to the point of translating from the kingdom of darkness to what? The kingdom of light. That's what that passage is telling us. And this love must be shown in action. Verse 16 says, how do we know that God loves us? Say, because he laid down his life for us. And so, in like manner, we ought to lay down our lives for who? For who? Who are the brethren? Who are the brethren? The Bible says, as Christ laid down his life for us, we ought to love the brethren to the point of laying down our lives for the brethren. Brethren, love is tough. True or false? Love is tough. The problem with many relationships is that there is no love in that relationship. And so after a while, we start talking of irreconcilable differences. Because there is no love. Because the Bible tells me that love overcomes all deficiencies. How many? There is no exception. Many of us will know by ourselves that if you were Christ, you will not die for yourself. Is that not so? If you were Christ, because you know if you die for yourself, it will be suicide. There's no benefit on the other end. Because you know the situation you are. But the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, what happened? Christ died for us. In your situation, in your state, he did not come and say, okay, I will change you before I die for you. No. He said, I see you. I know you. I love you the way you are. I will do what? I will die for you. And he died for you. And all that he's asking us is that you do what? Love him back. Tell somebody, love him back. But if you love him, it will be easy for you to do what? Love the brethren. But then the Bible goes on to say, if you don't love the brethren that you see, how can you say that you do what? That you love him. If you don't love the brethren, how can you say that you love God? It's not possible. You see, this thing is not theory. It's what? It's practical. He laid down his life for us. That's why the Bible says, husbands, do what? Love your wives as what? As Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. And our sisters will say, well, it is the man that God says should give his life for the woman. That is not the woman. But the pastor who just says, brethren should be ready to do what? Give their lives for other brethren. And I believe that if you are married, your number one brother or sister, in this case a woman, your number one brother is who? So the equation is balanced. Men give their lives for their wives, right? And women do what? Love, brethren, is a life of sacrifice. Love is what? It's a life of sacrifice. That's what God did. That's what he has called us to do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, from verse 4, from verse 4, we know that passage very well. Charity suffered long. Charity is love. And it's kind. Charity envied nor and vaunted not itself. It's not puffed up. Love does not envy. 
Do you know that among couples, husband and wife, there are situations where the husband envies the wife? True or false? Do you know that there are situations where the wife envies the husband? Yes. It's because there's no law. The Bible says the two are one. Remember, brethren, it was envy that drove the brothers of jo I mean, Joseph to the point that they were ready to kill him. Envy kills. Because what envy says is, if I can't get it, what should happen? You shouldn't have it. Why should you have it when I can't get it? That is envy. Whichever we will call it. The Bible says, love does not seek its own. It's not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity. But rejoices in what? In the truth. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. Love does not rejoice because somebody has fallen. Beareth all things. Believeth all things. Hopes all, endures all things. And the first part of that verse said, love never fails. Tell somebody love never fails. Brethren, the key word there is what? No, that's not the key word in that statement. The key word is never. Love never fails. Love cannot fail. Tell somebody love cannot fail. It's not possible. If you still have that diary at home where you write down the, the faults or the, the, is it fault you call it now? The sins of your husband or the sins of your wife. You have not gotten to the point of operating in love. Tear it up. When you get home today, there should be a diary burning ceremony. Amen. Amen? Amen? That notebook you are using to chronicle the sin of your wife, the sin of your husband. Do what? Burn it. That diary where you have written what your dad did for you 20 years ago, that you, I mean, you, you, you keep going to look at it once in a while. Do what? Burn it. Love does not keep a record of offenses or evil. Otherwise, you may lose your crown. You will not lose your crown in Jesus' name. Amen. I say you will not lose your crown in Jesus' name. The church, number two, the church of Philadelphia, they had works they were not ashamed of. That's why the Lord could say, I know thy works. For some of us, to hear a statement like that from God saying, I do what? You hide under the bed as if that can cover you from God. Because it means there's no secret. It means that which you thought no man knows. Who knows? And is ready to expose. It means the lady you call your secretary in the office, who is more than just a secretary, God is ready to do what? Expose her. It means that one you keep calling, oh, it's my colleague, it's my colleague, it's my colleague. Who is your sin partner? God is about to do what? Expose. He said, I know your works. There's no hiding place. The Philadelphia church had nothing to hide. Jesus looked at them and said, I know your works. And then he went as to tell them that you must keep it up. As children of God, 
The Bible makes us understand that faith without work is what? It's dead. It's useless. Faith without work is just talk, talk. It's just talking and no action. That's why the Bible says in James chapter 2, when you go from verse 14 to verse 26, the Bible gives us a detailed explanation. How do you meet somebody who is hungry and said, be filled in Jesus' name, and you turn your back? Meanwhile, you have $5 in your pocket that can buy the person, uh, maybe, what will $5 buy? Tim Hortons, or hot dog, or cold dog. Or you even have food that you can give the individual, but you don't give it, and you are praying for the person. Faith without work is dead. The Bible tells us about the, the works of the flesh. In Galatians chapter 5, from verse 18 to 21. And then when you go to Galatians 5, 22 to 23, the Bible tells us the fruit of the Spirit. If Christ will know your work and reward it and encourage it and honor it, you are expected to bear the fruit of what? Of the Spirit. You are expected to be someone that God can look at and say, that is my son, that is my daughter. I know your works. The church in Philadelphia, they had a work set that God was proud of. Can God be proud of your work? Or will your own work remind him of the book of Habakkuk that says God is too holy to do what? To behold iniquity. Is that your work? Brethren, the holiness of God gives no room for compromise. Tell somebody the holiness of God gives no room for compromise. That is why Revelation chapter 3, verse 16, I believe, says, I will do what? I will spew you out of my mouth because you are neither hot nor cold. God has no time for that. He has no time for Christians who are hot today, cold tomorrow. We have effectively shut him out. I know thy works. So that was the second thing about the Philadelphia church. They had works that God could look at and was proud of. Number three, the Bible says they had a little strength. How much strength? Just a little strength. Just a little strength. God does not expect you to be this big giant. He just expects you to be faithful in your own little way. Because you cannot dwell on your strength. But the strength of the Lord. In 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 9, the Bible says, He will keep the feet of his, of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness. 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 9. He says, for by strength shall what? Because the more strength we have, the more we tend to rely on our own ability. God is looking for men and women who will depend on him. God is looking for men and women who will say, it's not by power, it's not by, by, by might, but by what? By my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Men who will say, I cannot do it, but my God can do it. 
And because my God can do it, I know it will be done. That's why Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10, the later part of it says, the joy of the Lord is what? It's my strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. When you go to the book of Exodus chapter 13, Moses was speaking to the children of Israel. And he made, making a statement. He said, by strength of hand, in verse 3, by strength of hand, the Lord brought you out from this place, referring to Egypt. In verse 14, he repeated that same phrase. By strength of hand. Whose hand? Whose hand? You've got to allow the hand of God to take you from glory to glory. You have to allow the hand of God to take you from one place to the other. You have to allow the hand of God to lead you through. In verse 16, the same thing is repeated. For by strength of hand, the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt. Brethren, it's not your strength. Testimony is not your strength. All that the Lord requires of you is little strength. So long as you are dependent upon him, a little strength will ensure that you don't lose your crown. Why? Because when you have a little strength, you learn to depend on the grace of God. You learn to depend on divine enablement. You learn to trust God. It becomes what God can do through you and not what you can do. God will strengthen you in Jesus' name. The fourth thing I saw about the Philadelphia church is that the Bible says that church kept his word. It said, thou hast kept my word. And that's very important. The book of Psalm, chapter 119, verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I may not do what? Sin against. If you will not sin against him, if you will not be a stranger to him, if he will not tell you, depart from me, for I know you not, then you must keep your word, his word where? Where? In your heart. You can't keep his word in your heart when the only time you pick up the Bible is on Sundays. And some of us, even though we bring our Bible to church on Sundays, we don't even read it in church. So at home and at church, we don't do what? We don't read. You must keep his word that you may not lose your crown. In Psalm 19, verse 7 to 11, the Bible tells us so many things about the word of God. About the word of God. It says, the, the law of the Lord is perfect. The law of the Lord is the word of God. It converts the soul. The testimony of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord is what? It's the word of God. It makes wise the simple. No wonder the Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him do what? Let him ask God. The solution is in the word. If only we would take time to study the word. If only we would take time to read the word. If only we would make time. You know, some of us, we read our Bible every day. But we read our Bible as, 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 as what? Um, as a novel. No, not even that. 
we read our Bible as an obligation. Obligation. I have to read the Bible every day. I have to go to open levels and read it. And I've assigned 10 minutes. That's the reason we read it every day. There's no love. There's no life in it. There's no coming before the Lord and say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to do what? Philippians chapter 3 verse 10, it says that I may do what? Know you and the power of your resurrection. The benefit of your suffering. Be made conformable unto your death. That is why after your morning devotion, 30 minutes later, you don't remember anything. True or false? That's the truth. If many of us will tell the truth. 30 minutes after you have read through open heavens, like, uh, I mean, uh, as if the thing is on fire. And we open that Bible passage, we read it. Ask what was the topic? Blank. Anything we discussed, blank. What Bible passage? Why are we going to remember? Because we are going through the scriptures as if it's an obligation. Like we have to do it. The Bible says, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart. How can you say you love the Lord when his word is alien to you? How can you say you love the Lord when the Bible is your sleeping tablet? How can you say you love the Lord when the only verse you know in the Bible is Genesis chapter 1 verse 1? And even that one you will quote it wrongly. John 3.16, many of us will quote it and will add our own. John chapter 1 verse 1. It's one of the easiest verses. Even John 11.35. Some of us will miss it. God will help us. I say God will help us. It's very easy. Just love him. Just do what? Somebody is not with me. Just do what? If you love him, he knows. When you pick your Bible and say, Father, I want to go into your word. Reveal yourself unto me. That which you wanted to, on which you wanted to spend five minutes, you might spend 30 minutes. In fact, you might spend one hour. You get to the point where the clock does not determine your relationship with God. Is somebody with me this morning? If you are not going to lose your crown, we are talking about the crown, brethren. Remember, for the church inside this, he said, if you, if you can bear this persecution, I will give you a crown. But for the church in Philadelphia, he said, you already have a crown. Don't lose it. Tell somebody, don't lose your crown. As if you mean, he said, don't lose your crown. It's very important, brethren. You need the word. And the word must be your friend. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the word of God. True or false? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. It was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. Look at that verse 5. It says, the light shineth in darkness. And darkness comprehended it not. A man of God was sharing a testimony. He had a Bible school. And in that Bible school, almost every night, the students, the Bible school students, it was always one demonic activity or the other at Bible school. 
And they will call the man. He was an evangelist, or he's an evangelist. Okay, this one is shouting again. Or oh, this one is, 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 I mean, he's giving us sleepless nights. I don't want to be in the same room with him. So what do I do? Every night, the man was going to be casting out demons and all that. And then he discussed with another man of God and he said, teach them the word. Do what? Very simple. And so he said, for the next how many weeks, he started teaching them. And the more the word of God was in them, the more he could now sleep at night. Why? Because there was no de- nobody calling him again and saying somebody has a demon, somebody is manifesting and all that stuff. Brethren, there's power in the world. That's more there's power in the world. If you will imbibe the word in you, it will make a difference in your life. The word of God will prevent you from making mistakes. The word of God will prevent you from making wrong choices. But you must love the word of God. Number five, the fifth attribute of that church is the Bible says they did not deny the name of Jesus. They did not do what? They did not deny his name. Now let's ask somebody here today. Have you denied him? Denying him it's bad if that is where you stop. Peter denied him, did he not? He said, I don't know him. He denied him because something was lacking in his life. In Matthew chapter 26, from verse 69 to 74, three times, Peter was accosted by one lady or the other. It's interesting. All the people were ladies. And he kept denying. I don't know him. Oh, I've never met him. It's a very expensive joke. He denied. Because he denied Jesus three times, Jesus gave him an opportunity to, 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 to now, yeah, to correct himself. To restate his love for Jesus. How many times? Three times. In John chapter tw- uh, 21, Verse 15 to 17. The Bible says Jesus came before Peter now. Peter was disillusioned. He denied Christ. Christ was crucified. And of course, on the third day, he was risen. And he didn't understand what was going on again. He went fishing. Christ met him. And he began to ask him some questions. He said, Peter, son of Jonas, in verse 15, lovest thou me more than this? He said, Lord, thou knowest, I love thee. He said to him a second time, Lovest thou me? And he said, Yes, Lord, you know that I love thee. He came and said it a third time, Do you love me? Constantly. Why? Because Peter denied him three times. Amen? He denied him three times. And they gave him the opportunity three times to say, I do what? I love you. Brethren, God is good. That's what God is good. If you have denied him, there's an opportunity for you to come back to him and say, Lord, I do what? I love you. Very simple. Just tell him I love you. There's always room for a fresh start. It is never over until it is what? 
After that occasion, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 4, from verse 10 to verse 13, that Peter, who denied before a maid, saying, I don't know him, he had an encounter with Jesus. After the day of Pentecost, he stood before the leaders of Israel. And he said in verse 10, Be it known unto you, people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. The man that was healed at the beautiful gate said, This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. See, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven, given our men, whereby we must be saved. The Bible says in verse 13, when they saw the boldness of Peter, this was Peter that stood before a maid and said, I don't know Jesus. They now saw his boldness and they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that what? They had been with Jesus. That is what being with Jesus does for you. That's what the Spirit of God does for you. The Spirit of God transforms you. Maybe you've denied him before. All you need today is to say, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Empower me. Enable me to stand where I have fallen. I have said I don't know you. But now I'm ready to do what? To make amends. The Bible says it's not by power. It's not by might. But by what? By my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It's by the spirit of the living God. We were studying in our uh, workers' meeting this morning. Why many of us will compromise, will give away our stand with God. The Bible says, Joseph told Potiphar's wife, how can I do this evil? And do what? And sin against God. I'm not sinning against Potiphar. I'm not even sinning against myself. I'm sinning against who? And he ran. He damned the consequences. The Bible says, they that will live uh, a righteous life in Christ Jesus must do what? Must suffer persecution. We were learning that in our workers' meeting this morning. If you will live a righteous life in Christ Jesus, there is something called persecution. Don't run away from it. It's part of what God will use to look at you and say, you are my son. You are my daughter. Everybody must have a scar that will present before the master. The Bible tells us that there are five crowns that we as children of God Need to have. And brethren, you can have all of them. Tell somebody you can have all of them. I'm just going to mention one. We've been talking about it from the beginning here. And that is the crown of life for those that love him. The crown of what? Crown of life for those that love Jesus. If you love him, the Bible says there is a crown of life for you. James chapter 1 verse 12. James chapter 1 verse 12. James chapter 1 verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. When he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. 
which the Lord has promised to them that love him. In other words, every time you deny him, you are rejecting the crown of life. Every time you deny him, you are saying, I don't want this crown. And the Lord is talking to you this morning. I'm going to run off from there. There's a story I read about uh, a Chinese man. This Chinese man, they call him the heavenly man. I don't know, maybe I've shared it with us here before. The heavenly man. He was a young believer. His father was sick. And on the sick bed, he was about to die. His mother had a dream. The mother used to be a Christian. But then she got married, and because then communist China took over everything, she abandoned her Christianity. But the mother had a dream that the only person that could save the father that was sick was who? Was Jesus. So she called all her children around the bed of the dad, and they began to pray in their own way. They began to pray that Jesus will intervene. The man had cancer, he was dying. And by virtue of that, you know, when God wants to move, God will move. And I know God wants to move on behalf of somebody here today. And he will move in Jesus' name. They were praying, and the man received his healing. That young man from that day onward said, the Jesus that could do this for my father, I want to know him more. He began to ask his mother questions. But the mother was turning the Bible upside down. You know, in China then, there was no Bible. So where the Bible says, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The woman said, you will receive power after the dragon comes upon you. Oh yeah, and That was her own understanding. The Bible says, you will, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea. The woman said, you will go into the cornfield. So she interpreted her Bible. She didn't have a Bible, but she had, remember she was a Christian. She left the church, and when she got married, so it's just something she was, she told the young man what she knew. Then the man said, this Jesus, I must know him. And he started fasting. He started praying for about 40 days. And God is merciful. Do you know that God sent someone to their house? This was in China during the communist era. That if you are seen with the Bible, you are going to jail. God gave him a revelation of somebody coming to that house and giving him a Bible. And exactly the way he saw it, some two men came, knocked on the door, Gave me, that was how he got his own Bible. And he started reading it. And then he realized that many of the things his mother told him. They, they, she told him upside down. But she tried in her own little way. But where I'm going, I'm talking about the crown of life. Of course, he became a leader in the underground church in China. God used him mightily. And every once in a while, they will arrest him. But he will never give up. When they asked for his name, because he knew if he told them his name, they would trace him to where he came from. Because when they arrested him, it was not in his village. It was where he had gone to preach. So he told them his name was what? The Heavenly Man. That's how he got that name. It, eventually they found out, but it took a long time. Because when they asked him, what is your name? He would tell them, my name is The Heavenly Man. So, in one of those times, he was put in prison. I'm just trying to tell that you know the Bible is alive. The Bible still works today. Testimony, the Bible still works today. 
In everything in life. We are talking about the crown of life. They put him in prison. Because he had escaped so many times. They, they, they beat him so much, they made sure that he could not walk. His legs were damaged, his hands were damaged. In spite of that, every day, they found another Christian that would take him from his cell to another cell upstairs for what? For torture. In spite of all that. But this man did not give up on his Jesus. Then one day he had a revelation that he was going to go out of the prison. It was difficult to believe, but <laughs> I mean, this is all he knew. He held on to his Jesus. And do you know what happened? This was the man that had damaged his legs and all that. When the time came, the Spirit of God just told him, get up. And he stood up, and there was somebody that had the keys by the door, opened the door to him, and he went out. Now, of course, you know prison have many doors. But as God will have it, he kept going. He kept walking with his legs. And every stage, he thought they saw him, but they did not see him. He got to the last gate, and he met one of the Christian brothers coming in, and, and that one saw him. They actually spoke. That one said, oh, I'm just coming back. He said, I'm leaving. He told that brother. And he walked out. And do you know what? Outside the prison was a taxi parked waiting for him. He got into the taxi. The taxi drove him to where he, want, where he needed to go. Because he was coming from the prison, he had no money on him. And he said, wait for me. He went to some of his brethren, got money, came back and said, here is your money. And the taxi driver said, why are you paying me? He said, but you brought me here. I will pay you the fares. He said, no. It became a, an argument. The man said, no, I didn't do anything for you. You don't owe me anything. Brethren, God is real. God is alive. God is still doing it. The man wrote a book. The title of the book is what? It's on, if you, if you want to confirm what I'm just telling you. So it's not a story. I'm sure some of us might have heard this before. God took him through. If, I mean, when I'm telling that story, what does it remind you of? Acts. Exactly. Acts chapter 12, I believe. When God, Peter was taken from out of prison. The gates opened. And then he went to the house of uh, one of Rhoda. Rhoda had his voice and said, who is it? He says, Peter. I said, no, she ran back. She didn't open the door. Peter is by the gate, so where is he? She did not open the door because she did not believe it was Peter. God is still doing it. Do you love him? The crown of life is for those that love him. Don't you lose your crown. Whatever will make you to lose your crown is not worth it. It's not what? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Brethren, a man can die, but how many times? Only once. And the Bible says it is given unto man to die only after this word. Judgment. If death is the end, so let it be. Many of us have not even seen anything. Very simply, oh, if I say this one, they will sack me. Meanwhile, they are looking for men of integrity. Women of integrity. If only they knew you were a child of God, they would trust you more. But your Christianity is underneath your pillow at home. When you get to work, you want to belong. You have something to give, but you are hiding it. 
They don't know you have it. Tell someone they repent. The crown of life is for those that know who they believe. Those that will stand and say, Jesus is mine. And for Jesus. Thank you.